from Relay FM. This is Download, recorded Thursday, February 28, 2019. This is episode 93. Cab drivers were asking about it. Welcome back to Download, where we cover the most interesting technology stories of the week. I am your host, Jason Snell. I am not joined by my co-host, Stephen Hackett, who is on assignment. And I am joined by two wonderful guests to talk about uh, the news of the week, but dominated by Mobile World Congress, which was this week in Barcelona. Before the show, we talked about... Uh, Iberian ham for a very long time <laughs> and uh, about architecture and things like that. Uh, Barcelona, yeah, it's an interesting city and they also have a, a mobile technology show every year. Joining me to talk about it are my two wonderful guests, Andy Inaiko, beloved technology com- columnist and co host of Material here on Relay FM. Hello, Andy. Hello, Jason, and yeah, the you. I, I don't know whether uh, whether the ham or the Sagrada Familia is the bigger drawer. If you if you can, if you can have Iberian ham in the Sagrada Familia, I think that that's your reason for going anywhere in Europe. That's that's the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. Also joining us, uh, senior editor at Tom's Guide and a longtime colleague of mine, uh, Philip Michaels. Hello, welcome back. <laughs> Hello, less beloved than Andy, but still happy to be here. <laughs> okay, you know what you did. Yeah, I know. Uh, the, all right, let's talk about the most interesting stories of the week, as chosen by me, because Stephen Hackett said, I'm out of here. Uh, and I want to start with folding phones, because how could we not? The, they are the technology <laughs> shiny object of the moment. The Huawei Mate X was announced at uh, and launched at Mobile World Congress. This is, of course, a folding phone. Last week it was Samsung. This with the with the Galaxy Fold. This week it is the Mate X. Not to be confused with the Mate Ten, which is apparently a different phone. So yes, or or the Mate uh, <laughs> MateBook X or nope. MateBook X, uh, MateBook Ten. Please come up with different names, <laughs> Huawei. But, that is what I beg you because I've had to write about both of them and I, oh the. The chances for typos are manifold when you when you've got similarly named products. It's, it's very confusing. Anyway, so this is the, the the Mate X is a foldable OLED display that is wrapped on the outside. So uh, when it's folded, your uh, your screen is all the way around on the outside, as opposed to what Samsung did, which is put a second screen on a different surface so you could fold the the foldable screen inward. Um, lots of talk about it. The people did actually actually get their hands on them, which is something that didn't happen at the Samsung event, but did happen at Mobile World Congress. They're clearly not done. They're clearly first-generation products that very few people are going to actually buy because they're going to cost between $2,000 and $2,500. But we are definitely at the start of something. (laughs) What it is is not exactly (laughs) clear. And so, yes, I would love your thoughts about the Mate X and folding phone stuff in general. Andy, what's, what's your What's your reaction to this uh, this folding? That this I was going to try to make a pun about like this twist in, but it's a fold, and that's not a really yeah. a metaphor that people use. This fold in events is not a thing people say. Well, you, you need to pace yourself with the folding jokes because we're uh, yeah. going to have a we're, we're going to have to it's going to be a couple of years here. Uh, 
and it's i think the the one the, the biggest and most uh most cogent thing i was able to write about all this stuff especially the the, the huawei made x it has it's they now they're calling it, it this kind of design an audi where the the, the folding screen is actually you know, is, is on the outside whereas it's on the inside uh, it's an innie with the uh, with the samsung as well yeah but re- rejected yeah, well Okay, that's fine. No, again, we're, we're, the, the language, the language is evolving. We, yes, this is like the yes. Oxford comma. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be discussing this for a while. Uh, and, and of course, one of the biggest problems is that, well, we don't have, we have folding OLED, but we don't have folding Gorilla Glass. So good luck keeping that plastic screen scratch free. To which my reaction is, this is a, uh, if you were to find, look at someone's $5,000 custom tailored suit jacket, the lining of the inside pocket is generally very lush and that that's where these things are going to be carried inside custom tailored five thousand dollar business business blazers so that's not going to be a problem uh it's it's all a i mean we, we could talk an hour about this and i'm not going to talk for more than 30 more seconds because i want because i'm sure philip has lots to say but it's a it's an amazingly cool design trend this is definitely the leading edge of the curve nobody is going to be able to afford it as uh, two thousand bucks versus and 2500 bucks for the Huawei made x uh they're going to be impractical the software is not going to work well they're probably going to look like crap after six months not just because of scratching but because you already have this little depression this little trough in the middle of an in interior uh, folding phone i can't imagine what the, the contrast and the color is going to be like at that bend point after it's been in and out of your pocket like 18 times a day but it's an amazing way to take a lot of ideas that have been just fantasy ideas off the drawing board and make them practical tc i think that actually i think the the company that had the best announcements so to speak about folding designs at mobile world congress where it was tcl you know those makers of the really cool like huge tvs I actually bought like a tcl tv uh, uh over the holidays yeah, it me really, too. it's really nice yeah they manage the alcatel and blackberry uh, phone brands as right. well and so and so they they just had like a case of these aren't most of these aren't even working prototypes but here's some designs we're looking at and i was actually more interested in the designs they had in the case than anything that huawei or even samsung was showing off Interesting, Phil. What what is your feeling about uh, Huawei in particular and foldables? Uh, well, Huawei in, general? in particular. I, I wasn't in Barcelona this year, but I had two colleagues who who were there and actually um, uh, got hands-on time in in air quotes because uh, <laughs> Huawei did all the folding the, the actual yeah, operation right. of the phone was 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 under careful uh uh still, still, by, an, still an air gap still yes an air i mean gap they got the to touch it they got to, to to press buttons and 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 work on the 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 touch typing but the the actual folding was done by someone else <laughs> but um the interesting uh thing that my my colleague uh, adam ismail who was in barcelona said is that cab drivers were asking them about it uh, like he would say, yeah, I'm here for Mobile World Congress. And they go, oh, you've seen the folding phone, of course. So I, I, I think it's certainly an eye-catching design and eye-catching enough to get people who aren't necessarily um, immersed in, in technology talking about the technology. Um, at first glance, it appears to be a much more polished effort um, uh, than 
Samsung has done with the Galaxy Fold, and certainly more polished than the um, the Flex Pie from Royal, which is uh, <laughs> one of the folding phones that I've actually handled, and that 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 seems like it was it was invented on a dare. That, that, that's that's telling. That, that's telling they let you handle it. You know what? You can't break it any worse than our designers no, broke it already. Yeah, so yeah. go ahead, go to town. Uh, yeah, they're 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 trying to sell the panel, but um, um, it, 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 but as Andy, I think uh, uh, mentioned, the software isn't there yet. There's a lag. It doesn't always uh, uh, respond well to what you want it to do. Sometimes you have to turn off the screen and turn it back on to to make the phone think, "Oh yes, I'm I'm folded out now." So, uh, but but it it does have some intriguing things. The back screen apparently is very useful for when you're taking a photo because the person you're taking the photo of can actually see how they're yeah. how they look and 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 see that oh I'm I'm actually not looking at the camera. I'm looking. Uh, uh, at the ground and now i can i can redirect my gaze and it it, it, it it's the first time i i've been kind of skeptical of folding phones because I, I i don't see the purpose apart from a larger screen and if i want a larger screen why don't i just get a tablet even though it's not as easy to carry around as a phone it's it's not like you need a sherpa to carry a tablet <laughs> but um uh, using the the secondary screen or the outer screen uh to do things like act as a mirror or act as a way to set up photos that that to me um uh is one of the first times someone has made a a valuable use case uh for the mate 10 the interesting thing about the the tcl concept designs they're 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 not going to be in phones for at least a year um and and tcl is very upfront about that but because tcl manages brands like uh alcatel and blackberry they're not going to uh do a $2000 phone they're going to they're looking at more of a a, a mid-range more affordable version of a foldable phone so um that to me is the the one to keep an eye on what what companies that aren't your your samsungs and your huaweis uh do in terms of producing foldable phones that really the rest of us can afford we are not yeah. our nation's richest kings i don't have 2000 <laughs> dollars lying around to, to spend on a phone that that's gonna uh, as andy says get kind of beat up after uh, after a couple of months of use so yeah like like, like you said if, if someone who really needs a tablet everywhere and can afford a twenty five hundred dollar phone they can afford to f- hire someone to basically be their caddy and just hand them the device they need for whatever situation that they're in really it's more it really this is more of a tesla sort of uh phase of development where we can't possibly sell a, a working version of this for anything less than a luxury price point so let's build this as a and promote this as a luxury device while we figure out how to get the design get the get the price down uh, but it's uh, it's like uh, what i i'm less interested in devices like the like the huawei and more in uh, interested in stuff like uh, motorola's re redesign of the flip phone of saying what if we were to get like the the, the classic razor phone flip phone but instead of it unfolding into half of a techy tactile keyboard and half of a little lcd screen what if you have this pocketable really small pocketable device that when you unfold it becomes like a conventional looking five inch uh, screen phone that's really interesting particularly when you think about closed in your pocket you can have this shell of metal that's protecting the screen and I, I i love my i love my modern phones but 
I could certainly be happy with a device that were that was a lot smaller uh, that I could actually safely keep in my pocket, like a, a, a pants pocket as opposed to a shirt pocket. And as we're sitting here chatting so amicably, um, uh, Motorola just confirmed basically that Engadget, I think it was, that uh, yes, we are we are developing a, a yeah. folding phone, and it's probably going to look like the Razer, and it's probably going to uh, they're going to have something to show by about summertime. Yeah, right. This is going to be an ongoing process because everybody's still getting the tech together and and there will be breathless tech coverage that's like, oh, uh, companies that aren't doing this now are behind. And it's not just Apple, but Apple will be an example of that. And it's like, no, really, like we are this is the part of the yacht race where they're all just moving around in front of the starting line. Like there is no race (laughs) yet because these are not being the first to ship doesn't really get you anything other than first one to discover what's wrong with your product, which is valuable. But uh, there's there's a lot to be done here and a lot to be learned i, I think uh yeah we'll, we'll you know it, it's we'll look back i keep saying this but we'll look back in two years at these phones and we'll be like wow those are terrible the reason why innovators like get like geographical features named after them is because or the, the, the explorers this is where the last place where they were seen before they died <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the I I don't have his name at the ready, but there was an executive at LG which was rumored to be working on a foldable device of its own, um, and they said, "No, this year we're going to concentrate on other things. We think it's kind of early to do a foldable phone. We want other people to make the mistakes, and then we can wade in and go, hey, here's a here's a device that actually works.' So uh, that, that funny might thing, be a it turns out these strategy. screens are water soluble. We didn't know that. Yeah. Well, live and learn. Oh well, oh well. The uh, yeah, the plastic covering is definitely going to be an issue for people uh, but I, I agree i mean there are it's so easy to accept things that we've all adapted to and reject everything we haven't yet adapted to and say oh well nobody's ever going to use it like that but i'm not sure that especially if you had a kind of lightweight a display on the outside that would give you glanceable information i'm not sure yeah. that taking a phone or taking a thing out of your pocket and opening it up to see what's going on is a particularly r- ridiculous gesture um especially if yeah you can't have a, like a little thing where you look and go oh i've got a message and then open it up like opening up a little book is not i, I think fundamentally a, a non-starter for people so it might be and that's the thing we don't know it's like that might be something everybody loves or or not sort of like how nobody really thought that enormous phones that barely fit in your pocket was going to have appeal and somebody tried it samsung tried it and everybody was like oh yeah we love this it's like okay who knew we don't know until we try yeah, that's, that's that's why getting back to HTC, I, I was surprised at how interested I was in the the concept of no, this isn't even a phone. This is just something like imagine you have an iPad Mini, but it's small enough that you can close it and it'll be the size of a checkbook, and you don't need a bag of any kind to have it. But when you want a big screen reading experience, or when you want to basically flick something, flick a Google Map from your phone to a larger device, a larger screen, it's there for you. That was uh, I. I uh, it, really hit home for me because i love my second gen second or no third generation uh ipad mini even though it's way out of date even though the cpu is not anywhere near where the ipads are today just the idea of having something that's way more compact and way more credible as a reader device i don't feel like i'm on a subway like having to hold every time there's a stop i have to like hold it with two hands to make sure no one's going to grab it and run with it uh and the idea of having that with me all the time it's it's the sort of technology, this folding screen that can 
it can be a real pivot point when they get this right because it allows us to really rethink our relationship with devices and say well what if we took away the inconvenience of the size of the screen could we would you would it then be uh would it, would it then be more useful to have a big screen device with you wherever you go just like wearables uh told wearables went to well what if we could have a wearable device that is connected to the internet at all times probably through your phone that's in your pocket would it would it then be more useful than like my palm palm os based one that i had in like 1998 or 2000 or something like that all right we uh have many more phones to talk about frankly but first let me take a let's, quick break let's go to the phones and we'll tell you, yes hello uh, lemon it's grove california hello um let, let me tell you about our first sponsor this episode of download is brought to you by express vpn we can probably all hold our hands up and admit cybercrime is something we think happens to other people not to us who would want your data the bad news is stealing data from people like you and me using public Wi-Fi is one of the easiest ways for hackers to make money. Leave your internet unencrypted. Your passwords and credit card numbers can become vulnerable. But there is something you can do to protect yourself. Use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing all of your internet traffic. It encrypts your data. It hides your public IP address. There are easy-to-use apps. They run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with one click, and then you're, you're free at that point to safely surf on the public Wi-Fi at your Starbucks or wherever without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen by somebody else in the cafe. It was rated the number one VPN service by Tech Radar ExpressVPN. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I've used it. Super easy to use. A couple of clicks on my iPad, and I was completely encrypted, and I do like to work out at cafes where they've got open Wi-Fi, and ExpressVPN is there for me to give me greater peace of mind. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I've got. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, use ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash download podcast to learn more, protect your online activity today, and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash download podcast. That's expressvpn.com slash download podcast for three months free with a one-year package. Thank you to ExpressVPN for supporting download and all of Relay FM. Okay, so more phones, more phones. Um, uh, LG has this 5G V50 Think that I think is interesting, not just because it's a 5G phone. A lot of announcements. Let, let, about let me just co- let, let me just correct you. I think Q? it is. It, yeah, I think it is pronounced Thin you, Q. You thin Q. It's pronounced that way. <laughs> I do think Q that. And oh, boy, and do, t- and, do we have confirmation it whether it's a capital Q or lowercase? Let, let, let's go back to my earlier comment about naming your products. <laughs> Don't do that. Thin Q. Again, is what you're yes. saying. Well, I, I yes. want to. The thing that I'm interested about here, and you can tell me what's actually interesting about this phone, but I am fascinated by the idea that LG is saying, who needs a folding phone? We're just going to provide a second phone screen optionally <laughs> that you can just kind of click on and then, like, look, now you've got two phones in one. And a and an accessory that you that you can't get in the U.S. because that's not going to be sold in this country. It's going to be offered uh, most likely in Korea and uh, mm. I would guess Europe as well. Come on. 
it's not it's not a it's not a it's not a cod swallowingly stupid design no um no I've, i mean you could I've argue always, it's way always, more practical than a folding phone <laughs> yeah I, 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 no I've, no no i, I would i yeah. certainly would and and uh those of us who don't have like multiple children we probably have an extra phone somewhere in the house in a drawer that's not being used that still has a really good wi-fi really good bluetooth and a really good screen and a decent processor and if there were uh, if, if there were like an ios uh framework for oh and here's how to make two screens work as one in a folio configuration where you just buy a like a, a checkbook style folding case that would be interesting even if even just for the point of view of if, if i could spend after i've already got seven or eight hundred or nine hundred dollars sunk in the phone and give me three or four months to forget about that money and actually have it disappear off my credit card bill but a hundred dollars more for guess what we will take we will be you'll be able to take your iphone 8 uh, or your previous generation one put it in this hundred dollar holder and now when you're reading books on your kindle you can have a two-page view or you can have notes on one side while you have a, a, an article on the other side that's it's not a dumb idea it's it's dumb to have this really silly one-off design that's probably not going to be supported by anybody that's not going to be available practically in the it's not going to be available in the majority of the world let's say yeah the 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 interesting um thing about the v50 is is in a way how uninteresting it is because it's essentially (laughs) um the lg v40 that lg released last year um uh it's the same design (laughs) they've just stuck a 5g modem in it a slightly larger battery in it a better processor in it um and i i want to say more storage but uh don't quote me on that uh thank god we're not recording this Mm so um but you kind Contrast that with uh, the 5G version of um, of Samsung's uh, Galaxy S10, which is the size of a city block. It's a 6.7 inch display, and, it, <laughs> and 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 I believe they did that to accommodate the bigger battery uh, yeah. uh, that, that you're going to need so that your 5G phone doesn't run out of power after uh, uh, an hour of use. Whereas uh, LG figured out a way to do it in a still a 6.4 inch sized phone that's uh, that's in line with what they're already producing so that that to me is interesting um speaking of batteries by the way i want to mention maybe my favorite story out of mobile world congress <laughs> which is energizer and the PowerMax p18k pop which is a an 18,000 mah battery <laughs> uh it turns you you put your phone in it and it turns no, no. Oh, I'm, it's, I'm sorry. We talked about two different things. I thought it's oh, an no, actual no, phone. It is, it's, no, it, it is, is a phone. It is yeah. an actual it phone. Is a phone. No, I'm they sorry. build a battery with a phone. <laughs> there could inside. be a battery. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. It, yeah. It's not a case. It's a it's a battery case. Imagine if your battery case came with a complimentary phone. Is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It exactly. is, and the, and the battery case maker didn't care how thick the battery case became. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it is. It is uh, like an inch thick. It's not actually an inch thick, is it? But it's three quarters it, of an inch. It's, it's very thick. It is laughably large. However, my understanding is you could take it out into the wilderness and just leave it on with a brightness at maximum and watch movies on it for days and the, it would the, be fine the joke the joke around the tom's guide newsroom has been uh, what if we what if we built a phone that you didn't have to worry about charging and you could use it to bludgeon your enemies 
Because this yeah. is it, you, this this phone could take out uh, uh, Samson. <laughs> you could. Comes, you, who needs the jo- with, the jaw of an ass when you have this yeah. Energizer phone? It, it comes. It comes with a stylized stylized sock. You drop it into so you can swing it around your head <laughs> when you're trying to blunder people. It, it's uh, it's exactly the reason why I love Mobile World World Congress, and exactly the reason why I love Android. Where obviously no like mainstream company who can only put one or two phones into the marketplace and sell them globally as a real thing worldwide can afford to do an absolutely crazy idea. But the thing is, you talk about, you show people the picture of this and you then they say, Oh wow, that's the funniest, dumbest thing ever. It is literally as thick as a, as a, as a grilled cheese sandwich. It is just <laughs> huge. And the only, the only part of it, they, they will tell you the specs. Oh, the specs are uh, a full week of, of use as a traditional phone. 48 hours nonstop as a video player. It's like, oh, wow, that's great. And, and look, it's got the six-inch screen. Wow, look how big it is. Uh, now, uh, and uh, how heavy is it? And we've got two cameras, including a depth <laughs> camera. But uh, but nonetheless, when you say, well, there are people that there's not enough people to sell this in uh, in iPhone quantities, but there are enough people that, you know what, I actually do find myself away from a, a power port for a few days at a time. There might be parts of the world in which uh, access to power is not ubiquitous mm. and the idea of saying if I, uh, I i just like i pick up my i go someplace to pick up my mail because of either my location or my lifestyle i'm also coming someplace to charge up a whole bunch of things and the ability to say i don't have to even think about what's going to about powering up my, my my phone for an entire week uh, or a month and a half on standby and the fact that this isn't a, a cheap phone this is probably without the battery this would probably still be a very credible for or five hundred dollar uh, Android phone, uh, and the fact that it does have all the specs that you want means that, and and the fact that it only costs quote only costs about six hundred to seven hundred dollars, so it's not a crazy fifteen hundred dollar device that's ruggedized for use only on construction and in uh, and by the military. It's a really interesting thing. So yeah, I, I think we 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 should be having a good laugh at its expense because it is a funny it is a, an objectively funny object but it's also something that a lot of people are going to read and said huh when is that going to be available for sale yeah. some people don't care about their phone being thick as a brick they they literally yeah. don't and they would much rather have long battery life and you can buy a traditional phone and put it in a giant battery case which is what this looks like but i yeah. do love the idea that the name of the phone is literally how big the battery yeah. is like the point is the battery but it's you know they the, this is a french company that licenses the energizer brand and they can say nothing outlasts the energizer there is probably a great niche for this in terms of people who are in extreme situations situations where they always need huge amounts of battery i totally see it but Mm -hmm. they couldn't find room for a headphone jack it ain't right i'm telling you it ain't right (laughs) nope no room for that need more battery that's an extra hour of battery right there um let's see what what other phones here nokia had the nokia 9 pure view nokia brand back in action and this is uh notable i think mostly uh from you know hmd global which has the nokia brand uh it has a weird like uh hex back with sensors and cameras (laughs) including five cameras Screw it, we're doing five cameras. <laughs> um, this is like, uh, it reminds me of the Megapixel Wars, too. It's very much like, well, we have more cameras, so obviously everything's better, which is, I think, maybe not 
obvious, but they are, you know, <laughs> collaborating here with the with Light, which is the company that makes that uh, multi-camera, uh, multi-lens device that puts them all together. And the idea here is that you can control five cameras and get better pictures out of them. That right. Is the you, you, you've got two RGB sensors and three monochrome sensors, and they all take the picture at once, and that creates a... a Better background blur effects that are, are kind of smoother as you and less less jagged than you'd get from uh, your your computational photography or your uh, uh, multi lens setups with fewer lenses. Yeah, I, I saw so uh, a couple of people managed to sneak actual photos off the device, like and, uh, and during the out in the outdoor patio demo area. And I realized this is pre release hardware, and I realized that these are just kind of fast not optimal snapshots but there was nothing about them that made me think that wow i gotta have this camera it has it has to be really good well the, the interesting thing about it is it's a phone that costs uh 699 True. as opposed to you know your 800 and up uh, premium phones and it's going to be available uh in the u.s that hasn't been the case for the uh the premium nokia phones that hmd global has made in fact i believe they've it's going on sale this weekend and they're knocking a hundred dollars off the the price tag if you pre-order so um it, it, the the story here is that um hmd and nokia have done a really good job of uh uh doing mid-tier budget um android devices that uh and, and this is one that uh packs and more premium features without the uh, corresponding rise in in price. So it it, it it would be one that I'm interested in trying out just to see how the camera measures up and if you can uh, get value for money compared to say uh, a Pixel or uh, yeah. a Samsung phone. Yeah, I hope that, I hope that the product stays around long enough to, that there can be a second generation and a third generation. I, I do think that multiple lenses and multiple sensors, particularly, let's have a fully monochrome sensor that's only only getting luminosity information uh, to in order to build a, a better picture. That's such an interesting idea, but I don't think that any first generation product is really gonna get it until they get a second and a third gen. So, and my and my my fear is that uh, it's not going to sell well enough, and people are and whoever whoever is responsible for judging people is going to say, oh well, you see, it's this crazy five camera setup. You should you know, let's not mm. let's not people don't care about that. Yeah, well, in the end, if it ends up being uh, an approach that yields great photos, then people will pay attention because f having good photos on your camera matters. But I will also point out that according to the reports, to do this uh, light-inspired multi-camera, stitch it all together, come up with this the best possible shot, um, the phone has to work for like 10 seconds after you yeah. shoot it in order to do it. So it may not be practical, and so people may just have that feature off, which I think they said it would ship off by default. And there's this real question of like, you know, is this... It's a nice idea. I appreciate it um, because people do care about the quality of the camera. Um, I guess we'll find out when when the reviews come out. We, we, we've got a couple sample photos in our hands on Tom's guide and people can uh, take a look at that and make their decisions from that. Sure. Um, another uh, camera related thing, phone camera related thing. Uh, it is you're going to tell me, is it is it Oppo? Is it Oppo? How are they? How do you pronounce these guys? I, I, I would call it Oppo. Oppo, Oppo <laughs> is okay. what I what I what I like. That's, that's the company name. Anyway, they didn't make a product announcement. They made a product kind of 
pre-announcement of features, which is this thing that I want to mention it in, in the context of everybody having this quest to do better photo- photography. And Google is really in on computational photography and using a lot of machine learning stuff and applying it to what they get out of the camera uh, sensor in order to get a pleasing photo. And we've seen that like you can have two cameras back there or five cameras and you can process them or not. There's lots of different approaches here. One of the challenges is that phones are thin and the op- optics and physics like of capturing light it's actually really hard which is why everybody's trying to get the best pictures they can and what oppo has done is say that they're going to do a camera with a 10x optical zoom via a triple lens camera phone system that they showed at mobile world congress and the question is how did they do this and what they say is that they basically they built a periscope inside the phone where they turn the light so that they can put it down the length of the phone perpendicular to the lenses in order to capture a uh, a higher zoom which is i mean there, there's so many issues with that in terms of taking up interior space on the phone which means there's less room for battery and other things but i'm fascinated by this because they are trying you basically this is how do we get around the laws of physics in a smartphone <laughs> and i think on that level it's fascinating yeah i'm i'm uh, I love to see it because I I love phone photography, absolutely love it. Uh, the The only difficulty is that I'm worried that when they're trying to create let's let's create a much bigger sensor or let's create this really really innovative way of like you said let's what if, what if we have a light tunnel that runs the length of the phone or let's put five lenses on it. I re, I've, I worry that they are trying to make a steam engine car much 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 better when ooh we're already getting rid of gasoline hmm. engines we're moving towards electric because there's, there's there's so many ways to define a good picture and the people who are taking pictures with their smartphones these people who don't even have a, a conventional standalone camera they it's, they're, they're there for convenience and ubiquity so they're not necessarily they don't want dials they don't want on onboard flash things that i really really love they just want to be, they be able to here's a big round button i press this and i get a great picture and sometimes getting a great picture part of the definition is wow look at the color wow look at the clarity uh look at the and all that sort of stuff sometimes though uh, it's uh, one of the strengths of the iphone which is wow i held down the button and it took 10 pictures in one second and then automatically identified the one where my kid is actually frozen in motion and also looking at the camera or with uh, with google phones looking at the camera and smiling uh and it's it's hard to it's hard to say that people who are taking pictures with phones want multiple lenses as opposed to just a clear sharp well-lit photo of their kid smiling and looking in the camera and if their finger is not in their nose even better yeah, and and there is no like 10x optical zoom sounds great, but is that a trade off people want to make when at that point perhaps there's another device you could buy that gives you those features yeah. because it's if not it a it snapshot feature. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do know that Oppo uh, showed off a 5x optical zoom a couple of years ago at Mobile World Congress, and it was kind of a in a chunkier phone. So um, it seems like they're making uh, progress at hmm. least in in getting the technology down into a, a, a form factor that people would want to carry around right. so yeah. there's always that i guess it's really oh. going to be the question as andy said of if it is other technology that improves photography moving at such a pace that using the the you know more classical uh, photography techniques becomes irrelevant by the time they get there it will be interesting to watch that um, we should take another break 
Uh, let me tell you about our next sponsor, and then we have much more to talk about here, including a surprise visit from Stephen Hackett. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Download is brought to you by Burrow. Your home is important, and you want to come home to somewhere that feels comfortable, maybe even looks stylish, and is designed to fit you. Burrow is rethinking how people shop for and live with their sofa. That's why they let you easily customize a high-quality sofa online. It can be shipped for free in one week. The Burrow sofa adapts to your life. It's scratch and stain resistant, so you don't have to worry about spills. It has a built-in USB charger so you can charge your devices right from your sofa. The fabric is totally free of harmful chemicals. The frame is made from sustainably sourced hardwood, and it's a sofa that grows with you. You can make burrows bigger at any time by adding new pieces, and you can easily set up and disassemble no tools required. Burrow sofas are designed for comfort. You can customize every detail. Pick comfy, low armrests, stylish high ones. You choose. The proprietary foam is supportive, yet super cozy. And don't forget to check out their line of stylish pillows and throws made from soft, handwoven fabric ready to complement your new sofa. Burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by Time Magazine. And there's a deal for you. You can get $75 off of an award-winning Burrow sofa by going to burrow.com slash download. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash download for $75 off your order. Thank you to Burrow for their support. Huh? Support? Like it's a sofa? Uh, their support of download and all of Relay FM. Now it's time for the story you might have missed, something that has flown under your radar or otherwise you didn't pay attention and missed this thing. And to bring in our um, not here co-host, but suddenly here for this one story, it is our Memphis, Tennessee correspondent slash co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hello. Surprise. Ah, you are here after all. (laughs) What? Just for a second. Just from, okay, so I had to bring you in here just for this, which is a story with a headline, FedEx unveils autonomous delivery robot. We've talked about autonomous robots being tested in all sorts of places, but the thing that caught my eye is that FedEx, which is sort of like, you know, Memphis is kind of FedEx's hometown. um, Apparently, adorable FedEx robots are going to be roaming the streets of Memphis very soon. (laughs) It's going to be wild. So there there are a couple things to this. So put this sort of in the same... I same category, I guess, of like the Amazon delivery robot, which we spoke about like two weeks ago or something. Yeah. Basically, for I think urban environments or sort of like the last mile t- type deliveries, and so this is called the same day bot, and it's battery powered, and it's going to be a little autonomous robot friend who can steer through cities and through, I guess, suburbia, and it is going to be able to courier packages. Eventually, FedEx says, to your home, but they're starting humbly. They're going to start by using these to deliver things in between buildings on their campus, which is like 10 minutes from my house, big, beautiful campus. So I have some friends who work there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to keep me apprised of this. Yeah, but yeah, some th- robot sightings. Yeah, but they clearly hope to be in this game of, hey, we can use technology to deliver things where – we don't have people available or this is cheaper or faster. So they're getting into the mix with all, all of these other companies. Yeah, I like that the uh, they're also talking about using this technology with partners so that they're basically – they want to have this, but they think they can find other companies that would also want this. And I enjoy this list that includes AutoZone, in case you need auto parts brought to you by a yes. robot. Also, 
Also headquartered in Memphis, by the way. Oh, well, see, there you go. I, I just, I'm imagining some guy down at the garage and he's like, oh man, I need this part from the warehouse. Yeah. And a little robot comes and says, I got it. Here. Well, maybe it doesn't say anything, but it's like beep boop. And there's a, the, the part is inside. <laughs> also, Pizza Hut. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Of course. We've, I think it's very clear that if uh, these robots are anywhere, they will be delivering pizza. That ha- yes. But Target, Walgreens, Walmart, and Lowe's are also on the list as doing this last mile delivery. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me too. You know, there's there's been talk, actually, like as recently as last week, of like what would happen if Amazon or somebody were to buy FedEx, and that would be really complicated here in Memphis. But you know, I think FedEx and UPS, like these delivery pro uh, delivery companies, they've got to do more than just that to survive. I think in the, in the coming decades where you have companies like Amazon and Walmart who want to own the entire experience. And so even in my own neighborhood, I don't get things from Amazon via UPS hardly anymore at all. They're all coming during the day and, and marked Amazon panel vans. The notification is in the Amazon app. I get a photo of the box. Right. They are, they, Amazon could push these companies out of the market and uh, at least for sort of this type of delivery. And so I think part of this is FedEx trying to push back against that, but also trying to open up a new line of business of like, oh, well, you know, we can do this for us, but we can also come in and, and do this for you so you don't have to go elsewhere. I think from that angle, it's pretty smart. Yeah. And I can imagine we talked about this for other delivery companies too, this idea that, you know, maybe what you end up with is a big, um, you know, FedEx truck or UPS truck, um, or Amazon truck that rolls into a neighborhood and then, you know, a little cadre of robots are loosed upon the neighborhood and Mm, deliver all the boxes. And then they go back in their little home and then it, you know, and then it goes to the next neighborhood or then it goes back to the, uh, to the, the, the loading area or something like that, where you could, I could see that where they could be, they could ring out more efficiency by, instead of having the truck go to like 50 different houses, the truck goes to a centralized location and the robots deliver to the 50 houses more quickly. Not 50 robots, but like 10 robots that make five trips each, something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about a more urban environment, this may uh, allow them to to go places more easily. You know, you can't get a FedEx truck down an alleyway. So you've got a guy with like a two-wheeler and a bunch of packages and it's raining or he gets right. mugged. Like you could just send a robot down, you know, behind these buildings and into these tighter places where it's harder to get to now. So I think there's a lot of potential here. You know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, FedEx is saying that, like I said, they're going to practice these things. They're going to run over their own employees before they run over the public, a good idea. which is good. Uh, and that testing will be uh, towards the end of 2019. I so, like the little video uh, screen on the front of it that says, hello, like, as a hi, robot yeah. is barreling for you, barreling hello. towards you. Ah, hello, but it's Don't be hello. afraid. Uh, and this thing, you know, Gordon, this is this is a concept video, right? But it's climbing stairs, it's navigating curb cuts, like it's doing a lot of the things they have to do. I don't expect to see these anytime super soon, but I am sort of excited that if they start testing these, you know, uh, maybe it won't just be in San Francisco. Maybe it'll be here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and maybe you will see a robot, and you'll be like, "Hey, 
It's that robot. So be sure to report back that. when when you oh, spot yes. a FedEx robot for the first time. Uh, when they start trial, if they, if they start trying these in Memphis, like in neighborhoods, like I'm going to find somebody I know in that neighborhood. If it's not my own, and be like, mm. I need to deliver something I to your to, house. Yeah, I need to order something, and uh, I'm going to be there with my iPhone to film it mm, for Instagram. Very nice, very nice. Well, Stephen, <laughs> thank you for being our uh, co-host slash Memphis uh, correspondent slash robot delivery expert. I appreciate it. It's a very specific title, but sometimes it pays off. Mm, it does. Also, I think that's a <laughs> robot knocking at the door. Anyway. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Stephen, for robot report. Um, uh, let's talk about some other stuff that went on this week. Uh, Microsoft at MWC showed off HoloLens 2, and they've been talking about, I mean, a lot of the demos they've done have been things like Minecraft and stuff like that, but it's been very clear for a while that where Microsoft is going with HoloLens and where they found um, interest is in industry and in business, and HoloLens 2 is entirely pitched as an, a business product, which, again, not surprising, but it's interesting to see the kind of the final resolution of this, that at least for now, this is where Microsoft thinks that they've got some leverage to do augmented reality stuff. Yeah, that these the only people who are paying for the the state of the technology right now is such that it's not a it's not a, a the sort of technology that blends in when you're wearing it, uh, and so the only people who are willing to pay for it right now are the people who can pay thousands of dollars per handset because they feel as though uh, headset because they feel as though buying one of these and putting it in their business or in their operations is gonna co- save them tens of thousands of dollars, uh, and eventually the technology will get better and that will be a practical device for humans to wear, but this. This is where the money is going. This is where the this is where their market is right now. Uh, and so, I, I, I'm if anything, I'm really pleased to see them stop doing like game demos. As cool as they are, it's that's not the that's not gonna and that's not gonna get us to the place five years from now where we can buy it as a five hundred dollar option uh, when we have a new set of uh, prescription lenses made. Yeah, the most interesting use case for HoloLens I've ever seen in the many demos um, have been from medical schools where you can, yeah. you can you can bring up organs and cadavers and walk around and 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 lift things up and 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 see how things are put together, or for architecture in CAD where you can uh, uh, build a, a augmented virtual structure right in front of you. Whereas the, the gaming component really um, is boring and dull. So I, I I think Microsoft is wise to just drop all pretense that this is anything other than an industrial or office product. Um, the the other great thing about Hololens too, from from what my colleague uh, Caitlin McGarry tells me, I think she's been on the show before, mm-hmm. um, ha- is that this is a heck of a lot more comfortable to wear than the the original Hololens. I haven't strapped on the new one. I did I did wear the the original, and it it, it wasn't like a, a a cruel machine to to put on your head, but. <laughs> After a while, you 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 began to 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 feel kind of yucky with it on, and I, I'm told that this is a, a much better version that you can wear for for longer periods without um, without feeling like you're making your own gravy, <laughs> or or in a or in a crappy like direct to streaming video ripoff of Saw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? No, these are industrial uses now. So. <laughs> You only have enough bandwidth to, to make two selections. However, the latency of the robot means that you have to make your selection 10 seconds in advance. Make your choice. Mm. Uh, slightly less terrifying, although you did mention surgery <laughs> earlier. Uh, uh, 5G 
uh, obviously uh, central at Mobile World Congress. There's a lot going on there, um, including live surgery over 5G, as well as the um, there, there's some some larger issues about the rollout of 5G and, and Huawei's participation in the 5G infrastructure, which the U.S. is encouraging people not to use Huawei's technology. Um, <laughs> Andy, you want to talk a little bit about 5G? Yeah, uh, like Phillips alluded to earlier, it's not kind of it's it remains to be seen whether it's going to be a transformative wireless technology for consumer devices because it's super you need you're going to need super high powered batteries for it we don't i also we don't know how a phone has to be re, uh, reconfigured to accommodate the uh, uh, to accommodate the antennas for it but the it's not just about high speed it really is about hey uh, what if we can now have it in such a low powered small device that you can have a sensor on a telephone pole that doesn't have to have AC power or a hardwire in order to report us the status of a, of a situation uh, to a larger network latency that's so short that you can do things practically in real time and you know there's going to be a stable enough connection that th- it's not going to go south on you at a, at a at a really important juncture so which means that a lot of industrial applications and a lot of again non-consumer applications that were once sort of fantasy dreams you'd find in a Here's the future of our AT&T dial-up network in 1996 are really practical. Uh, and so a lot of a lot of the stuff we've been seeing about 5G at the show has been about let's dem- let me let me show you something we've built that's now actually feasible. And one of the demos on stage was uh there was doctors at the, so there's a a uh uh, a cancer operation uh, taking place uh, in uh, in uh, Hospital Clinic Barcelona, and they were hooked up to 5G. And a doctor, <laughs> a cancer doctor, uh, in uh, on the stage was basically either directing the surgery or consulting on the surgery live as it was happened. So yes, thousands of people inside that hall were able to see a gentleman's colon <laughs> as it was being cut open. But the and the point and the point and it wasn't so he was he was uh, operating via tele presence it was just that hey we're 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 good at this uh, at the surgery but wow this person is a world-class uh, uh, world-class uh, expert on this type mm. of surgery. What if we book some time for him to be in his office and he, while we're operating, he can say, oh, well, you see this section here? Instead of just, hey, take a snapshot of this, send me a JPEG, I will highlight it with my pen and then send it back to you. It's like I can actually draw live and say, well, what, catch that right now, right here, and you see what's going on and interact with it live. And that's the sort of stuff that makes 5G really, really interesting. I'm a become a bit of a a, a 5G skeptic uh, just because I keep attending all these conferences where they a tell, flat network t- truther. Well, yeah, fine. yes, yeah. I don't believe in 5G. Give me 2G. <laughs> it's good enough. No, um, what, there's but, a reason why they call it line of sight because they don't call it curve of sight, do they? By by which I mean, I, I go to these conferences and you sit there and people show up the video where the twinkly music plays and the future <laughs> is here and this is going to be a transformative technology that will bring the world close. And you're all, eh, it's good. Hey, this year, 5G is going to be good for having devices talk to each other, Internet of Things, connectivity. It's going to be really good in enterprises and factories where you need to do a lot of automation. And I don't think the average phone user, it's going to impact their lives any, at least not right away. Uh, and partly that's because it's going to take time to build out the networks. Partly it's going to take time to get phones that are capable of taking advantage of the speeds. So, and it was a little disappointing at, um, 
Mobile World Congress that really Sprint was the only U.S. carrier to even give a hint of when you're going to get 5G connectivity. They, they're going to turn on their network in, in five cities in May. Uh, Verizon, AT&T didn't really have anything to say. T-Mobile sort of suggested that it's going to be later in the year for them. So it, 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 in a way, it's it, it's it's kind of a moving target because originally 5G was really expected to be in 2020. They've kind of pushed it forward to 2019. But I I, I worry that consumers are going to see going to be underwhelmed by 5G this year, um, and and it's going to feel like kind of a damp squib. But uh, one day, one day it will be interesting. Hmm. Uh, what about the? Uh Appear, hey, the U.S. State Department at Mobile World Congress—that's exciting. Yeah, mm. uh, obviously, the obviously the United States government is always at Mobile World Congress for a whole bunch of reasons. Often, be, mostly centered on they're one of the biggest consumers, purchasers of telecom equipment. But and also uh, they, the ham—they want to get their hands on some of that ham. <laughs> the ham, the ham. The, I don't. I you, people think that we're joking about the ham. It's you can when you when you uh, one of the one of the things I took back from the trip were a couple of, of packets of like Lay's potato chips, but like Iberian ham flavored. And you're going to think, OK, well, we've had no, no, no. I'm saying they made whatever chemical they make to make something taste like something. They made this chemical taste almost like Iberian ham. And that's why I took several packets of them home. Anyway, uh, yeah. So this, but this time it was different because uh, the, the, the U.S. State Department is. Over is is very 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 concerned about Huawei becoming one of the leading providers of 5G network infrastructure for the world uh, because of any Chinese company is in some way shape or form controlled or controllable by the government and they're worried about how can we possibly certify all of this equipment against the ability to remotely shut it down even if it does pass certification against uh, some sort of a backdoor or some sort of a hardware snoop. Uh, solution that's built into it, even if it is pure as snow, the, because Huawei is a Chinese maker, if they wanted to find a vulnerability or if they had found a vulnerability, that could be very easily weaponized by uh, by China. Uh, and so now they have an actual uh, US, the State Department actually sent a, a formal delegation, really, uh, including the, the, that there's an actual uh, like ambassador of cybersecurity relations, pretty much, uh, that was holding meetings and talks and print press conferences. Ajit Pai uh, had the FCC. Uh, this is not necessarily his bailiwick, but he was there to speak uh, at like a private, uh, like an invite only session about uh, government regulators. He was also like part of that press conference. Uh, and so as governments keep making buy uh, buys for 5g infrastructure they're really trying to say they're not even trying to say use american solutions they're trying to say the french they make a real and the swiss wow they make really great 5g networks uh and it, you should be a little bit cynical whenever you think about the government and cybersecurity. it's possible that they're saying that we've already compromised the 5g network infrastructure of these two companies that's why we would really prefer that you buy into a network that we could eavesdrop on or shut down if we found that to be an interesting proposition for us. I, I wish um, the government made a better, clear case for this um, because it's too easy to right now wonder how much of their um, stance is being motivated by uh Stoking up fear of the other, which is far be it for me to accuse uh, the current government of uh, of using that trick in other aspects. But uh, uh, 
I wish they they would uh, put up or shut up is I guess what I'm what I'm saying about uh, uh, what they should uh, be doing in terms of making the case for why uh, we should be suspicious of Huawei. Yeah, they're you're right. They haven't made a really good case of it. However, um, industrial espionage is a very serious problem with Huawei. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. And so and and it's not just simply a private company trying to create a, a commercial advantage for themselves. It's uh, given the relationship between all businesses and the central committee. It's it's a good thing to talk about right now, but as you, but you're absolutely right in saying that if the if the United States is really really serious about this, they need to give re- hard reasons why, as opposed to speculations. And also, there are government like Germany. I think was, was sort of reacted to, or responded to this sort of stuff, maybe at the nudging of Huawei or another 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 uh, another group, basically saying that look, I mean, we're not idiots. We're not just like going down to costco and buying a bulk pack of, of wi-fi routers here like we do we do actually examine every single thing we we build into the system to make sure that there's nothing nasty in there waiting for us and also we we and also i don't think they actually explicitly said it but it was implied that we are we are prepared to defend ourselves from all kinds of cyber attacks from china and from the united states intelligence intelligence or uh, apparatus so uh, it's something to keep our keep minds on but uh, it's something that uh, yeah, right, could be used just basically to make sure that we have a, a good guy and a bad guy as part of the dialogue. Thank you, by the way, for the image of Angela Merkel wandering the aisles of a fries, uh, <laughs> putting networking equipment into a basket and, you know, calculating out the how much it's going to be. And, oh, I better put this back. This is an impulse yeah. buy. For, fortunately, fortunately, now, like enough people who are like in their 40s and 50s are like getting into government that we no longer have 100 percent this image of everybody who's making these decisions are like in their 60s and 70s saying i my grandson says i should get the i should install the internet on my dell how do i could i get a cd for that or do i still need to have a floppy like no no oh dear um speaking about uh government intervention because that is a fun topic interesting story in the verge that i wanted to highlight that is uh, about the creation of a new Federal Trade Commission task force to monitor competition in the U.S. Uh, technology markets, uh, including the possibility that they will analyze previous mergers uh, that they might w- seek to undo. And uh, that's interesting, as well as the um, power of large companies, including Facebook and Google. Um This is a this is not one that I uh, had seen coming. I guess it's interesting. It's more uh, saber rattling in a way, but certainly there seems to be a feeling in Washington D.C. If I can if I can guess from a a distance that it is politically safe to uh, question the power of technology companies today because everybody seems to be doing it. So it seems to be that the it's just in the air that tech companies are going to be questioned, whether anything comes from it or not. But I, I think it definitely has to put the fear into uh, large companies that they might, you know, because ultimately the government could require Facebook to break apart or Google to divest itself of things that it's purchased. Um, and that is that is scary because that, that would be extremely upsetting for their for their business models. Do you guys have any thoughts about uh, the FTC getting involved here? Well, it, it's sort of a perfect storm of events. For, for one thing, you have 
technology companies really do have control a lot of uh, aspects of people's lives. We've all seen the story of, uh, from the one reporter who tried to divest herself of doing anything with Apple and Google and Facebook and all those <laughs> all those folks. And what what an incredible uh, pain that would be. Um, you have uh, the Democrats uh, uh, taking control of the House of Representatives, and there's always going to be a wing of that party that um, is going to have a suspicious uh, attitude towards uh, consolidation of too much power with too few companies. On the right side of the aisle, you've got um, um, this uh, growing talking point that tech is biased against us uh, and, and kind of working the refs with uh, with uh, how uh, algorithms uh, uh, are, are picking up things on Twitter and Facebook and all that. So you, you have um, uh, this situation where people from different sides of the political divide uh, might find it in their interest to uh, 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 question tech companies. So um, I don't know if anything will come of it, but uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I do think it's important. The only right now, we don't have any regulations or any limitations really on what any of these companies and let's also include uh, uh, the uh, let's also include cable companies. Let's include Verizon. Let's include uh, yeah, wireless carriers and, what, and whatnot. Right. Exactly. And we have absolutely no limitations of what they can do. There are just no laws against it. Uh, hopefully that will change in the next four or five years. But the in the meantime, the only power that the government has to put the fear of God into any company is to say, guess what? We are now opening opening another antitrust case against you, and we ha- and we we think that we've got a good chance with this Congress uh, and th- this Congress who's going to be up for reelection in the next two years, and our polling says that they're going to be lobbied very very heavily by people who are getting more and more scared about what Facebook can do, what Google can do, even what Apple can do, uh, what Microsoft has to going for there, what Amazon, the the silent killer of the of the tech giants, uh, can do for you, and even just the threat of uh, of action can have a chilling effect on uh, investor confidence and also on the ability of these companies to make plans five years in advance. If they don't know that they're going to have the, have the access to the entire widget as one company, they can't make these plans that allow them to do really, really great and or uh, really, really evil things. Um, that said, though, like at the same time, uh, the uh, we've been talking about the uh, the AT and T Time Warner merger uh, for the past year or two uh the fa- they famously the government famously said that no 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 we're you're, you're you're too big there's you've made a gr- you've, you've made promises but there's nothing backing those promises there's nothing saying that the, because the cnn is being is owned by the same company that owns these cable companies we're not going to there's there's no there's nothing stopping you from hiking up fees to non <laughs> to non-conglomerate owned stations and uh and operators uh so you know we're shutting this down and uh, they on tuesday uh they it went to appeal and on Tuesday the appeals court said no 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 that's good let's approve this deal it's going through so the government might not have the ability to speak with one voice this certainly strengthened the hand of anybody in Facebook that's saying well maybe we can still get away with it for another few years but this is this is not a situation that won't this is not a situation that these large companies are going to be able to resolve on their own at some point there is going to be an outside influence from the government that's uh, that uh, that uh, allows them to allows the government to basically limit what they can do so that is no longer the wild wild west and the only choice that uh, that all these companies have is to negotiate on terms that they consider better than the worst case scenario 
All right. Um, one last topic before we go. And uh, this is not in lieu of the fuzzy puppy update, but it's a nice story <laughs> that I think it gave me perhaps false hope, but some hope about how um, not everything is necessarily awful when it comes to the Internet. And it is a uh, an opinion piece in The New York Times this week by Farhad Manju about Netflix. And I really like this piece because his, his suggestion here is Netflix's business model, which is to get money from subscribers and, you know, basically make their subscribers happy so they keep giving them money and they want to be worldwide, which means that they are generating content in all sorts of different markets around the world. And that Netflix has had a lot of success with shows from one country becoming hits around the world. And I think his news peg for this was Roma, which was nominated for many Oscars and won a few, which is a Mexican film in Spanish that was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, which is pretty amazing and has been viewed all over the world. He's got a bunch of other great examples, like a great British Bake Off, which is a, a huge hit in America and elsewhere. Um, and then other examples of shows from England and Australia and Turkey and Italy and Brazil uh, becoming, and Germany becoming hits uh, elsewhere in the world where they might otherwise have only been seen in their home country. And, and uh, Manju's thesis here is that maybe Netflix's business model helps along uh, this other view of kind of a global internet product, which is that it, it could potentially bring us all together because it unifies, it, it, you know, it's, it's putting vision of other places in our in our homes when we watch TV. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about the piece, but, you know, again, I, I, I just, he, he's, he's not wrong. Netflix, Netflix feels a little bit different because their business model is so different. Yeah. Um my wife, uh, when we were traveling in, in Germany last year, brought along her iPad and uh, at night would watch stuff on Netflix and was kind of outraged at how much better Netflix's selection was in that country. So, I mean, it's you're getting some good stuff over here. You're getting much better stuff over elsewhere. So um, it's it's an interesting thesis. Um, if um, if Netflix didn't um, uh, uh, divide things up by region, I I. I I would uh, be more inclined to agree with. Yeah, it. well, that's not that's not their originals, though, right? That's the stuff that they license, and they have more. Yeah, they yeah, have more no, competition in the U.S., which means there's less of it here than there is. Exactly. In other yeah. No, but my my the 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 point stands. There there are some things um, uh, from uh, British TV that I wish Netflix would, would mm. pick up more. So, mm. you know, I, I I thought it was a brilliant piece, and I promise you, I did read the entire thing, not just like the pull quote at the top, but the pull quote at the top is really the money line, and it says instead of uh, this. Instead of trying to sell American ideas to a foreign audience, parenthetically, I'll say that's what Hollywood is in the business of doing. Uh, Netflix is aiming to sell international ideas to a global audience, which is beautiful and perfect. And that's my experience. The number of people I know who are excited to talk to me about this show they discovered, and it's a Korean soap opera, <laughs> <laughs> or it's a Japanese story about just someone who goes to noodle restaurants late at night every single night. And it's not a reality show where they're trying to find love or collect coupons for a ticket or something like that. It's just a show of qu uh, quiet storytelling uh, that's based on uh, uh, 
Just like we would instinctively understand the Western genre or somebody stole my car, I got to kill everybody to get it back genre. We understand what the scenario is. We understand what the character is instinctively or culturally. And now we get to see the tropes of other cultures and how it works that way. I myself, uh, there, I, uh, I uh, thank God for British television that they, they, have, they have modern copyright approaches where every TV show that's semi-popular in, in, the, in Great Britain, they release it to the public domain or a creative commons immediately because two days after uh, after antiques road trip airs somebody posts it to youtube and i can watch these really really twee british auctioneers traveling in a, in a classic roadster up and down england buying things in antique shops and then selling them at auction uh, and that's it's it's part of what makes uh, it's great to see movies and television become uh, benefit from what makes the internet great that whereas 30 or 40 years ago um, a tv show particularly cannot survive by making having a small audience of people who absolutely love this show and will not miss it you they can only survive by having a huge audience of people who probably have nothing better to do on tuesday night than watch a one-hour block of happy days followed by laverne and shirley uh whereas netflix has the ability to have these small movies and these regional tv shows and hold on to that subscription fee every month by providing something that small audiences absolutely adore and can't wait to see the next season of uh, and so and, but that's but fraud's line is just absolutely perfect it is it's 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 a global access point for culture Re- and yes i know if, uh, unfortunately a lot of his region locked that's that's why we have vpns and <laughs> that's why that's why that's why there are features that they definitely just, just i i was uh, we're i think we're all in this conversation old enough to remember uh like you know when cable box you it came became possible to like buy your own cable box and in small type it would say stop paying uh, stop paying re- cable box rental fees and the big subtext was and if you snip these three resistors you'll be able to get hbo for free uh, <laughs> yeah and but so so yeah that's so people but it's nice to be able to get access to that sort of international stuff without having to vpn your way into iplayer without having to wait for someone to illegally upload something to youtube it's nice for the metrics of that show to be noted by a company and for the production company and the people who can who do that show to have oh by the way we have a product that people actually want that's why we're being paid to do another series all right, uh, everybody, start your VPNs, I guess. Anyway, uh, no, it's it was a fun it's a it's a fun piece, um, and I think there is some some truth in it that that uh, that is interesting about all of these services. Apple service will be like this. Amazon is doing this. Um, services with global desires in terms of they want to compete globally with Netflix and then Netflix, of course, itself. They are all going to be creating shows that run everywhere, and that's. That's kind of great on its own. And the fact that they're not all American shows on top of that is also pretty cool. It is nice to not have it. I remember those days where, you know, something would air in the UK and then the American fans would wait like a year and a half before they'd see yeah. it on American TV. And that's, <coughs> uh, that's yeah, ex- exactly right. And then the same goes for like Lost the other way, where Lost would air in the US and seven months later it would be in the UK. And that's uh, when BitTorrent started because the UK fans yep. were like, I'm not going to wait that long. All right, before we go, 
I do have a, a legitimate Fuzzy Puppy update, and it is a story about uh, a group of Estonian construction workers who saw a dog helpless uh, trapped in the icy waters of the Parnu River. They cleared a path through the ice and let the animal swim back to shore. They dried it with a, bl- a blanket, bundled it into their car, and took it to a clinic for medical care. This is a great story. I'll point out, though, uh, it was not a dog. It was a wolf. <laughs> um, <laughs> The wolf, uh, the wolf was so uh, perhaps grateful, but also exhausted from being trapped in the icy river that um, the wolf uh, was grateful and calm and slept on the legs of the rescuers and was uh, completely exhausted. Uh, they treated it at the vet for low uh, after diagnosing that it was indeed a wolf for low b- b- blood pressure and hypothermia. Put it we in ran, a cage. We ran a blood test. The test came back wolf. It is a wolf. Uh, this dog. I have some news about your dog. It's a wolf. Uh, put it, it, put a radio tracker in it and released it back into the wild. Anyway, good job uh, to the the vets and the uh, construction workers for taking care of uh, the dog that turned out to be a wolf. Because, you know, that wolf didn't need to drown in the icy river either. And they saved it. And that's good. And that's your fuzzy puppy update. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Download. Andy Inaka, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if you can spell my last name, you have your passport to the wonderland that is Andy Anatko's content. Uh, my website is at anatko.com, I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, K-O. I'm also Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram, and you can catch me uh, usually every other Friday on WGBH Boston NPR talking about tech. I'm going to be on, uh, as a matter of fact, Friday uh, from noon 30 to about 1, and if you are not, if you don't get to stream it live from WGBHnews.org, uh, they usually have the show there for some time after that and so you can check it out then yeah or just uh, go down are they still at the library do they still do that show from the library they still they still do we still do most of the shows from the library uh which means that lots of people get to see exactly how many notes i have in front of me when i'm talking about eight different yeah. <laughs> tech and policy stories but that's fine so it's too a, it's a lovely space in the front uh, the, the first floor of the bpl if people are in yes. boston and want to go you should go to the, that library anyway it's beautiful they just read it it's gorgeous yep. phil philip michaels where can people find you and your stuff. They can find me at tomsguide.com, Jason. Excellent. Excellent. That's what I thought. That's what I thought you were going to say. Um, mm-hmm. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of Download. Uh, we'll be back next week, and until then, we will be watching the headlines so you don't have to. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>